Welcome to another exciting word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about and discussing the spirit of the Antichrist. Whoa, isn't that good? That's a kind of catchy title, isn't it? Hey, don't you think so? And today, I'm going to be teaching to you as though this were about 30 to 35, you know, 40 years ago. This was my favorite topic for a number of years, and, and I really know it well, and so I don't think I can necessarily follow a lot of uh, um, um, uh, notes. I'll try to hit my high points and make sure that you get some things that you can write down. But uh, uh, last week, we talked about the Trinity We were actually talking about the Antichrist last week, but we started out, the title of the message was The Trinity. And I'm well aware that uh, that some of you watching online and some of you here uh, may not have been here, so I'm going to need to catch you up just a little bit. And for those of you that were here or did watch online, you'll get a little refresher, and it's going to be good. We're going to end the day with something that you can do that will literally change your life forever. You're going to leave here with a new perspective. Perspective. Uh, it's my goal to share with you what the Word of God has to say. We'll back up everything by Scripture. And, and, and uh, just to let you know that, that, that God really does have a plan. And He's working the plan, but His plan is dependent upon you. Let me just ask you a question that you can hold in your thought while we're talking. And that is, if Jesus came to town today... If Jesus came to our city, to your city, to your community today, who would he spend time with? Would he be spending time with saints or sinners? Would he be spending time with people who are doing okay or people that needed something? He'd probably be spending time with the godless and the ungodly. Hello? That just seemed to be his pattern, didn't it? Sure it did. Why? Because we are the ones that need help. And people that need help, need help. Jesus said, listen, it's the ones that need help that need help. He said, I came to help those people that need help. I didn't come to help people that don't need help. And so today, if you could rightly identify yourself as somebody that needs help, Jesus might spend a little extra time with you. I know I need help. I need him bad. And in different days and different seasons, I tend to realize how much I need him. Sometimes when I think I am right is when I am susceptible to being wrong. So let's pick up here and recap a little bit on last week concerning the Trinity. And then we will step into... Uh, talking about the spirit of the Antichrist and how you can recognize and defeat that spirit of the Antichrist. First of all, last week we talked about their, uh, the fact that there was a holy trinity. Okay? There is a holy trinity. 
Matthew, the 28th chapter, and verse 19 says that we need to go and make disciples of all nations. We need to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. The Father Jehovah. That is, that, that, that's the big guy. That's God. He's big. He's God the Father. Then there is the Son, Jesus. That's the second part of what we understand as this Holy Trinity. This Trinity that loves us, that is good, that is wonderful, that is kind, that's uh, caring, that has, uh, has our best interests at heart, that, that, you know, that, that created all the wonderful things and every good thing and every perfect thing came from the Father above. And Jesus, the Son, is the second part. And then we have the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God. Literally, the breath of God, the Spirit of God, the nature of God. We know them in the Word of God, this Holy Trinity, by a lot of different names. We call Him the Father. Uh, we call Him the Son. We call Him Emmanuel. We call Him Prince of Peace. We call Him Wonderful and Counselor, Savior and Friend. We call uh, the Holy Spirit our Comforter, our Guide our teacher you know there, there are so many ways to identify this holy trinity but the holy trinity is for us they're wonderful they're great they're, they're just uh, just awesome and then we talked about last week not only is there a holy trinity but there's an unholy trinity we read out of revelation the 10th chapter and verse 20 um, uh, we 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 read uh, um, let me see Revelation the twentieth chapter verse ten rather says this uh, and the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire the devil that's the first person of this unholy trinity it's the devil the evil the devil there is a devil there is a literal devil and this devil is known by a lot of names Satan serpent you know that old dragon you know uh, uh, you know the 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 archangel this this covering cherub that fell from the grace of God iniquity was found in him the devil and then uh, the, the 10th verse of Revelation 20 goes on and says that that uh, that the devil you know who, who deceived him was cast in the lake of fire where the beast is and the false prophet where both the beast and the false prophet those are the other two of course the beast we recognize most of us recognize the beast as the Antichrist okay However, let me say this a second time. The word Antichrist is nowhere in the book of Revelation. I know that shocks a lot of people. But nowhere in the book of Revelation does it say Antichrist. That literally is the beast. We think about it as being the Antichrist. Why? Because there are a lot of sermons on the Antichrist. The Antichrist points toward Revelation. And the Antichrist is that, uh, you know, is that uh, agent, that evil agent of the devil filled with this spirit of the Antichrist, but the Bible calls him the beast. The book of Revelation never says Antichrist. The Antichrist is used four times, 1 John and 2 John. Okay? Uh, but it's okay. I identify this beast as the Antichrist. You know, we're thinking about some individual that's rising up out of the east that's going to bring peace and promise peace to, you know, to Israel for seven years and then right in the middle and the great, he'll lead the great tribulation, be this really evil guy. Some people think it's in person. Some people think it's an organization. Some people think it's a computer. Some people think it's Visa. Some people think it's, a, you know, some people think it's, a, it's a, a religion, you know, an organized religion. Well, I don't know what it is, and nobody else does either. But whatever it is, it is completely filled with the devil. Okay? Just as much as God 
the Son and the Holy Spirit, just as much as there is a holy trinity, there's an unholy trinity. And the Spirit of God is that force and that life and that strength. Well, the spirit of the devil, the Antichrist, is that life and that force and that strength that fills that beast so that that beast you know, we, we know him because he sets up an image. And then he gives life to the image, which is the false prophet. And this false prophet goes around, you know, uh, doing his best hunting down believers and, and destroying, uh, 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 you know, uh, executing, torturing all the believers who won't recant about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Or, or if, if they continue to say, I believe that Jesus is the Lord, well, the spirit of the Antichrist cannot abide that. And so there is a holy trinity, there is an unholy trinity, okay? Um, the unholy trinity, the devil, the Antichrist, which is the beast of Revelation, and the false prophet. And First uh, um, um, John chapter 4 in fact, 1 John and 2 John uh, tell us you know, about the Antichrist. 1 John chapter 4 says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. 2,000 years ago, the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the world. 2,000 years ago. And if you were to read in 1 John as, as well, um, let, me, let, me, uh, let me look in my Bible here and give you the exact reference. 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 18 and verse uh, 22. Uh, I, I won't put it up on the screen, but it says, Little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming even now. Many Antichrists have come by which you know it is the last hour. There are many antichrists, many individuals filled with this spirit of the antichrist, all that is against God, all that is contrary to God, absolutely possessed of this devil, the dragon, the serpent, that old dragon that is against God, antichrist. Okay? The spirit of the antichrist. As I said, we know him as Satan. We know him as this fallen archangel. He continues to lead a rebellion against the Holy Trinity. The devil is the one who tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden to eat of the forbidden fruit. Uh, of a fruit rather, the, the the devil, this 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 one who is who is the embodiment of this of of, of all that is evil. This devil is also the one who entered into Judas and pressed him, led him to betray Jesus. This devil is the one who stirred up the religious mob in Jerusalem so that they cried, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar. This devil, this unholy trinity, uh, is, is, is the one who deceives nations and in the future divides families and, and destroys peace. This devil is the one that tells lies about you to other people and tells lies about other people to you. 
This devil is the one that is against you. He's an enemy. He is the one that even tells you lies about yourself. He will tell you how wonderful you are when you're not and how horrible you are when you're not. He's a devil. He's against everything that is holy. He is against everything that is good and righteous and true and peaceful and prosperous and encouraging. He's trying his best to destroy you. He hates you. That's the devil. Uh, he's an enemy of God and he's an enemy of your soul. And today we're going to discover, however, that he's not the only enemy you have. You have two great enemies in this life. Both enemies have been very successful in hiding themselves and hiding their true nature in the shadows of life. You know the devil. You know about him, but you can't get your hands on him. You know, you can't get your hands on him. You, 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 you find it hard to pull him down. And sometimes you can identify him. But the moment you say, that's the devil, somebody says, you're crazy, you're spooky, you're too spiritual. But there are some things that are just the devil. There are some things that are nothing more than the devil. Okay? The devil's doing that. The devil's doing that. The devil did that. That's nothing more than evil, pure evil. That's the truth. But even though the devil is an enemy of your soul, and as I said, the first enemy of your soul is the devil. He's hated you from the beginning. He hated you before you were born. Okay. You know about him. He works through others. He does his best to destroy even the very people that are helping him. He'll get somebody to work with him and then he'll set them up to fail. The devil is that spirit of the Antichrist. He wants to do his best to get you to hate people. You know that? If you're tempted to hate somebody, guess what? It's the devil. It's the devil tempting you to hate somebody. Why? Because they probably cause you pain. Because other people do cause you pain. Other people do cause you disappointment. Other people do, they, they hurt you. Have you ever been hurt by somebody else? Sure you have. You know, I've been hurt by other people. Other people cause you pain, but no one else causes you to sin. You're responsible for your sin. And hating is a sin. And the devil wants to get you to sin. So the devil wants to work on your weakness. He's looking for an open door into your life. That's what he's roaming around to and fro. Where have you been? I've been down looking for those that I could destroy, seeking out those that I could find and trick and tempt and deceive and see if I can get them, if I can find a weakness, if I can find an open door in their life somehow to get them to where they will hate or they'll have outbursts of anger, or they will commit immoral acts. They'll be selfish, they'll be jealous, they'll be envious, they'll divide, they'll destroy relationships. Oh, if I could just find somebody to work with me. You know, the devil cannot make you do his will by conquest, but only by consent. 
The devil cannot make you do anything. He can just keep on working on you until you consent or until you agree with him. Once you begin to agree with him, he just wants to take you a little farther down that road, a little farther down the road, to the point to where if he gets his way, you will be completely embittered, embroiled in such vitriolic hatred of others that Jesus is doing his best to save. Who would Jesus be spending time with if he came to town? Probably your enemies. Ooh. Oh, come on, this is better preaching than y'all are amening. <laughs> oh, yeah, come on, give the Lord a clap. Man, I, I, didn't, I didn't make this up. It's him. In a minute, you're going to just see it really. I mean, it, it's just uh, really, you know, the, the first enemy of your soul, as I said, is the devil, okay? And, and uh, uh, the devil is, is, is a great enemy of your soul, but he is not the greatest enemy of your soul. The greatest enemy facing each one of us today is not the devil, but rather the greatest enemy of our soul, the greatest enemy of your soul is your flesh. Your flesh. Ooh, hit you right there where you lived. In the, your flesh. You see, the flesh is the carnal nature that you were born with. You were born with a human nature, not a God nature. I mean, that's, that's gospel 101. Now, the devil will tell you differently. But gospel 101 says you were born with a carnal nature, with a human, with a flesh nature, okay? And if the devil can find a way to feed your flesh, he can make you sin. If the devil can find a way to feed your flesh, whether it's lust, envy, jealousy, hatred, well, we, we could read a whole list of them. In fact, won't you turn to Galatians chapter 5 and let's just read a list of the things that the devil is trying his best to get you to do and he's trying to get you to do it through your flesh you see this morning as we take this revealing look at 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 a spirit which is stronger and more powerful than the spirit of the antichrist in your life there is a spirit as i said listen to me there is a spirit that is more powerful that is stronger than the spirit of the antichrist against you it is not the holy spirit i'm talking about I'm referring to that rebellious, renegade spirit of fallen man, born in sin, destined to die, and contrary to God. I'm talking about the flesh, the carnal flesh of man. In the Greek, this carnal flesh is called sarkikos, literally the fleshly, carnal, animalistic appetites of man without God. You see, you were born without God. Isn't that interesting? How can that happen? Come with me now. Jesus said you've got to be born again. Why? Because you were born without God. Because you were born with a human nature. You need to be born by the Spirit, not just by the water, but by the Spirit. You were born of humankind. You're a human nature, and there, there's life in you. 
How did there get to be life in you? How in the world did life ever get in you? Well, um, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but let me tell you what this sarkikos, what the sarks, let me tell you what the flesh is capable of. Galatians 5, verse 17. For the flesh, the sarks is the Greek word, wars against the spirit it lusts against the spirit it fights another translation says against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish now the works of the flesh are evident just like the works of the devil are if you can point out the devil you can also point out the flesh there is a problem. You can cast out a devil, but you cannot cast out the flesh. These are things you've got to stop. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> These are things you've got to say no to. I cannot lay my hands on you and cast hatred out of you. I can cast a demon out of you. I have the power to do that. But almost every time I pray for somebody to get delivered from some demon and some devil, and they don't change, I just figure it wasn't a devil. It must have been the flesh. Because these things are of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The flesh wars against the Spirit, but that's not all. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from sarkikos cravings. From the cravings of the flesh, the human nature, which wars against the soul. The flesh wars against the spirit. The flesh wars against the soul. Now picking up, by the way, now we have just recapped. We're going to pick up from here. If you happen to miss last week, you can always go back and you get a much greater detail of these things. But let's pick up here. And let's just uh, 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 let's begin to understand where this flesh came from, what it actually means in our life, and how we can deal with it. So we not only defeat the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist, but also we can close the door on this carnal nature. Because as long as you live in this life, you will have to deal with the human nature. Not only in your life, but in others. You will have to deal with godless souls and ungodly souls. Both the godless and the ungodly need Jesus. Well, uh, uh, Galatians 5.24 says, and, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires you see that's the only thing you can do you can't cast out the flesh you got to crucify it. the apostle paul said i crucify my flesh every day 
every day I have to watch the door of my life that is so open to human nature that the enemy searching to destroy me can find a way in to begin to deal with me according to my human nature. Now, he cannot make me sin, but he can do his best to make me, do his best to make me mad enough to sin. Hello? Hurt enough to sin. Okay. Cause me enough pain. Cause me enough problems, tragedy, trauma, that I end up being more susceptible. And if I'm not watchful, I pander to my flesh or to my soul. And it wars into my intellect, to my reasoning, to my logic, to my knowledge, to all the things that are born of humanity, to all the things that my neighbor has who does not have Christ. And if I become just like them, I become susceptible to all the pains and problems and processes of life. And they make my decision for me. And I can choose to sin because I'm in pain. Choose to sin because I'm disappointed. Choose to sin because I have gone through trauma, tragedy, defeat. But it's a choice. Other people can cause you pain, but they can't be responsible for your sin. They can be responsible for your pain. So, Genesis is the second chapter. In Genesis chapter 7, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, Verse 7, God tells us how he makes man. Very interesting here. Look at the makeup of man. Now, God made man holy. God made man in his own image. Okay? God made man just like him. There is a holy trinity, there's an unholy trinity, and there is a triune man. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. That was his body. Okay? We're talking body. He formed him, fashioned him. Okay? He made him out of a lump of clay. He made his body. He breathed into man, in, 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 into that body's nostrils, the breath of life. That was the spirit. And man became a living soul. You see the triune man that God made? Holy and like God. Holy Trinity, unholy Trinity, triune man. Here are the three players in this game of life in eternity body soul and spirit body soul and spirit he breathed in his nostrils the breath of life the spirit of god and the life that 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 that, that mankind had man's soul the individual what makes you you your thoughts, your intellect, your reasons, your knowledge, your likes, your dislikes, your wants, your, 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 all the things that make you, you. Your memories, you, your soul. Your soul became alive because of the very breath of God that was breathed into your soul. All of a sudden, your earth suit, your body came alive as a house for the soul and you were made just like God and you had the life of God on the inside of you Adam did as created man God's life and if Adam and Eve would have had children there it's debatable whether they would have passed on that 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 God life to them but we know something happened in the garden in chapter 3 
in, in the story that continues in the account, the Bible says that God had told Adam and Eve that don't eat of this fruit of the garden, for in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. But yet we know that in Genesis 3, they ate of that forbidden fruit. Their eyes were open and they became as gods knowing good and evil. And Adam lived, according to Genesis 5, 5, to be 905 years old. He lived, you know, I don't know how many more years, but let's just imagine another 850 or 60 years. But in the day you eat of, you will die. Well, the devil said, you will not surely die. Well, the devil was talking about your body and your soul is not going to die. And God was talking about in the day you eat, the life of God, the, the eternal life, the Spirit of God will leave your body. Your soul will be left on its own. Human nature. And the children that you have, the only hope you have is to pass on human nature. You cannot pass on God nature to your children. You, can, you cannot pass on eternal life to your children. You can only pass on temporary, carnal, worldly life. And so every person born after Genesis 3 is born with a human nature, born to die, no life of God. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Because Adam and Eve were the first people to be born again. They were born from life unto death. And the only way to get the Spirit back, the only way to get the life of God back is to be born again by the Spirit of God. Not entering into your mother's womb a second time, but by the Spirit of God to be born again and to in, embrace the eternal life of Almighty God through Jesus Christ, His Son, who came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, that He might destroy sin in the flesh, in the sarks. Wow. Spirit, the spark of God's life within each human soul, the soul, the individual mind, will, and emotions, and the body, the earthen tabernacle that we occupy. Well, you know, when mankind fell, Adam and Eve no longer had the capacity to pass on the spirit of life or to bestow an eternal relationship with God to their children. The only life they could create was human life. And they passed on the carnal nature to their children. And that's how we were born. We were born godless souls. And today many people are godless and ungodly souls. And godless and ungodly souls are subject to great deception. Great deception. The Apostle Paul what what oh let me let me uh, let me explain this one more layer before we jump to my closing 
because it's important for us to realize that the devil is looking for a way into your life. He is a thief that has come only to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants, first of all, to hide in such a way that you don't believe he exists. He wants to be in the shadows so far back that you can't really recognize him and point him out as the problem. He wants you to think that other people are the problems, but the Apostle Paul says you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You're, it's, it's demons that are doing their best to, to find a way into the lives and the minds and the hearts of other people. And yes, other people, the devil wants them to cause you pain and to cause you problems and to cause you, you know, a trauma and trouble and aggravation and irritation. But it's not the person. It's the principality. We don't wrestle against... flesh and blood. And it's important that we understand that the struggle that we have in ourself is against our human nature. The devil wants to do his best to make you imagine that, that, that he does not exist or if he does exist that he's not your problem and he's not causing you any problems and he's not trying to get you to do this. Okay. Listen, could I get, uh, 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 how many of you, uh, could, could I get some people in here to commit adultery? How many of y'all would like to commit adultery? No? Dang. The devil's not going to be that open about it. How many of you could I get uh, to, 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 to lie today to get some extra money? Or how about on tax day? How many of you, can you wave your hand with me if you'd like to, if you'd be willing to lie on tax day? No, he's not going to be that. That, you know, he's going to hide in the shadows. He's going to try to find a way into your thought life. A way into one of your desires. A way into some carnal appetite. How many of you can I get to be uh, in unforgiveness today? Can I get anybody to be bitter? Can I encourage you to be bitter? Because somebody has hurt you. Could I encourage you to be bitter at them? Not forgive them. Anybody, please, come on, come on, uh, line up. Can I get you to go out of here and be unkind to the next waiter or waitress you have today? Anybody, please. How many of you could I get you to cuss your spouse before bedtime? He's not going to be that open about it. But I can't imagine someone's listening to me in some faraway place that that's going to happen to you tonight. Words, ugly words, are going to come out of your mouth. Some of the rest of you, they're going to get into your head at least. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this carnal nature? Because the devil is roaming around looking for those whom he may devour. And he's looking for your weakness. The devil is trying to find your weakness. He's trying to find where he can convince you to go out and get drunk again this week. 
He's trying to put enough pain and pressure and problems and throw other people in your way so that you will end up doing something that is not God, that is contrary to the will of God, something that agrees with the Antichrist, the unholy trinity. He's going to try his best. You're going to leave here on your way to a test. And he's going to try to get you, you know, maybe he'll try to get you to talk bad about the preacher today at lunch. I don't know. <laughs> but the Holy Trinity wouldn't do it. The unholy Trinity will. The unholy Trinity will do a whole lot of things. Galatians 5, you know, says in verse 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Two things I'll offer you today. Uh, I might say just a couple of more things, but two things are really important here. If you want to defeat the devil, if you want to defeat this spirit of the Antichrist, which is the devil, okay? this spirit of, of, of all that is contrary to God, all that's against God, if if you want to defeat him, now, and, and let, me, let me throw this in here. There's probably not anything you can do about the past. So let me exercise my priesthood anointing and authority. Okay. Now this is not a blanket for your continual sin. But in the name of Jesus... Those of you here and those of you that are watching, I pray God forgives you of your sin. Other people may be responsible for your pain, but you're responsible for your sin. Lay it down right now. Stop it. Decide today it's over. Decide today you're not going to live controlled by the carnal nature of man your carnality so open to the devil's suggestions that he can take you captive at any moment. Stop opposing yourself. 2 Timothy 2, 25. I am in meekness instructing you. Recover yourself from the snare of the devil. Stop your sin and be forgiven today of all sins that are past. In the name of Jesus, in the authority of the Holy Spirit, I remit as a priest your sins that are past. In the name of Jesus. Now you start today and decide today to be responsible for your own sin. Okay. Number one. From this moment forward, you say no to sin. You can't always say no to pain. You can't always say no to disappointment. You cannot always say no to hurt. But you can say no to sin. Don't let the devil in your life. Number two, refuse to entertain carnal remedies for the problems you face. Refuse to take matters into your own hands and decide that you are going to apply a carnal remedy 
We don't wrestle against the carnalities. It's spiritual problems. Don't accept division, which is a carnal remedy for the problems you're facing. Don't accept bitterness, unforgiveness. Don't get to the place to where you imagine that redemption is not what God wants for everyone, including your enemies. Don't get to the place to where you imagine that God does not like them. And don't lie in wait and hope for judgment. Pray for mercy. Be forgiven of your sins. Say no to the next temptation. Refuse to apply carnal remedies. And don't hope for judgment on your enemies. Hope for salvation. Mercy, the Bible says, rejoices against judgment. James 2.13. And I'll give you some homework to do as I close. The homework is going to be, I'm going to encourage you to read Romans, the 8th chapter. At least, let's say the first half of it. Romans chapter 8. Okay. Read it, and as you read it, look at the difference between the flesh and the spirit. The carnal nature of man versus the Holy Spirit of God in your life. If you're not born again, why not get saved today? Ask Jesus into your heart and your life. He will forgive you of your sins. He will save your soul. You can do that right where you are. You can do it right where you are. Don't leave here not born again. But even if you are born again, don't leave here an ungodly person. Lay it down. You're forgiven. Walk out of here trusting God that he's going to help you every step of the way. Romans the 8th chapter will help you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the flesh could not do, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, defeated sin in the flesh. And sin shall have no more dominion over you. Romans 8. Learn it. Memorize it. Believe it. Share it. Amen? Why not? Why not? It'll make you a better you. And your godly witness will be the best testimony for anyone to see, friends and enemies. Okay? And you'll be better off when your enemies get saved. Start believing God for it. Thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor 
and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.